Wow! Wow! Man! Good morning! Good morning! Wow! Wow, wow, wow. Thank you. Thank you guys for coming out. I know you could have uh, chosen to go anywhere and you came here with us and, and we're just blessed to, to be together. I believe God has you all here for a reason. Amen? Amen. Wow. So thank you. Let me tell you kind of where we're at as a church. Wow. I think people are still looking for seats. If you got room next to you, tell them, come on, somebody come. Oh, look, we got friends over here. This is the rowdy bunch. If any rowdy people come to this bunch right here. This is the rowdy. All right, we got room here. So come on in. Amen, amen. I am not nervous at all. Just totally chill right now. Really excited to just be with you guys. Woo. All right, so as you guys start getting settled in, let me tell you where we're at. We have been in a series as the church for the last couple of months, and today is the conclusion of that series. All right? So if you thought that you were coming to see some play or some cute kids dancing or we were going to hunt for Easter eggs, we were going to hand out marshmallow peeps, somebody lied to you. I want you to hear the word of God today. I trust and believe that God brought you here for something more. Amen? And so what we've been going through, kind of press in, press in, tell everybody, shh. What we've been going through is God's season one. We've been going through the entire Old Testament as a church from here to there. We've been following God's people through the entire Old Testament and watching what they do and watching what God does. And it's been a journey through the scriptures. And what we've learned is this. Let me catch you. What we've learned is this, that all throughout our lives, whether it was these people back in the Old Testament or you and I or the person who's here for the first time today, all through our lives, the grace of God, the mercy of God, and most importantly, the love of God introduces itself to us. It shows itself. It interrupts us at times. It interferes with our plans at others. It makes itself known to us, sometimes in dramatic encounters. If you've had a dramatic encounter, amen. Three people, amen. Out of 400, that's not bad. Sometimes in a dramatic encounter and sometimes in a still, small voice of a friend, of a stranger, of a situation. The beautiful thing that I hope that we all learned as we walk through this Old Testament stories is that no matter where the people are, no matter what they've done, no matter how far they've gone, no matter how long they've been there, God is always with them. He's 
been faithful. Somebody say amen. He sees them. He hears them. This is what we saw in the word. He, he sees and he hears us too. Watch this. How many of you have ever asked something silly of God and had him answer it? Raise your hand. Look around the room. Something silly, something that you thought, man, there's no way he's going to listen to this. There's no way. And he did it. Yeah. Amen? Now, now, listen, I'm not, I'm not discounting the encounters with God. Those I've had where, where you know, the encounter, where, where you know that God is speaking, where, where the, your hairs on your hands stand up, where there's goosebumps, where, where there's tears and mockles, and, and, you know, you, where you have that encounter with God, and, and things break off, and things change, and, and you feel His power and His authority. Like, 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 like Lee said, I, when, when I had an encounter with God when I was mixed in, in Santeria and Espiritismo, and I had an encounter with God with these three little Pentecostal ladies. I mean, you know, they weren't that little, but, but they were like little, little with the, with the buns. And, the, and, and, and they, they started speaking to me. They trapped me in a basement apartment. And they started speaking to me. And the power of God filled the room. And, and I heard the voice of God. And things changed. Things changed. Things broke off of me like, like Paul had that Damascus experience. He encountered God and he was blind for three days. And then he never saw things the same way again. But I've also been in stupid situations that I put myself in. Right? Don't look around, but you know, there's some of you in here. Stuff that was my fault, that, you know, there was things that I shouldn't have been doing that I was doing. There was, there was situations that I, you know, put my, and I made silly deals with God. And he answered me. I was in a situation once where I prayed, and, and probably for the first time in a long time, and I said, God, show me your grace in this. And it was either like a Friday night or a Saturday, and, and I said this to God. I said, if you show me your grace in this, I'll go to church on Sunday. I've never been to church, to a, to a Christian Pentecostal church. I've done plenty of, anyway. I said, if you show me your grace, I'll go to church on Sunday. And let me tell you, he did, and I went. And, and I, I took a small step to the front of that church, and that was close to 30 years ago, and I've never stopped going. So, so, so it's not always the dramatic encounter. It's not always the unquestionable miracle that changes us. If that were true, the people in the Old Testament would have never strayed from God. They saw so many miracles right before their eyes, right? They witnessed the power of God firsthand in their lives. And they, and, and they would still fall off and still get to the point where they would worship the false gods of their enemies. Sometimes it's the small steps, the silly prayers that activate our faith and bring us into relationship with God. I started this series because I wanted to see, I wanted us to see how God has been working in people's lives since the beginning so that we can identify God's grace in our own lives, maybe in ways that we've never done before. And so it's been a wonderful journey. And what I want to do for those of you that are just joining us or just decided to come out for a quick Easter marshmallow fix. Um, 
I want to catch you up. Now that I have you trapped in the building, you see the police are outside. They're not going to let you leave. Now that I have you here, um, I, I want to catch you up on a few months' worth of messages. But I'm going to do it in under four minutes. You can time me. You ready? So I want to go through all God season one in, a, in, a, in a kind of the way I like to do it. So here we are. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and anything that was made was made by God. Basic theology. Any big bang that you might have heard, that was God saying, let it be. Paradise created. Everything we needed and then some. All this is yours. You can eat from any tree except that one. The day you eat from that one, you're done. Separated from the one. No one can save you but the sun, but we're not there yet. You, you know the story. You know the story. Snake spoke. Innocence broke. He blamed her. She blamed it. They were naked and afraid, but God covered it. The rest is the history of man. Old Testament theology. The wages of sin are a death penalty. The life of this sacrifice, it covers me, but it doesn't last. Only covers the past. Today is a new day and I've fallen short in a new way. I need a scapegoat substitution. Someone willing to take the fall to pay for it all. Propitiation. And so man multiplies. There's a corruption increase. Brothers killing brothers. No one was at peace. But God found favor in Noah. He said, I'll wipe the earth, but with you I'll start over. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were the sons from that line. Jacob wrestled with God and got his name and his hip reassigned Israel. We get the 12 tribes from this, and that's just Genesis. God hears the cries of his people and raises up a Moses. We get delivered from slavery in Exodus. We get the sacrificial system of atonement in Leviticus. The trip to the promised land takes 40 years because of complainers and mumblers. That's the book of Numbers. Deuteronomy is a recap. Moses telling the young bucks, don't do what we did that was whack. God is faithful and true. What he did for us, he'll do for you. Even those that are here for the first time and here about a year later is for you too. God then tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. Take a stand. Take these, my people, into the promised land. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. If you follow my instructions, there's nothing you can't do. But they fell short, did things their own way, just like we sometimes do. God would then raise up judges. Every time he heard their pleas, but after years of peace, they would turn to the God of their enemies. Judge after judge, God's grace upon grace, he heard and he rescued them every time they turned their face. God led them at that time through prophets, but the people wanted a king. First and second Samuel, first and second Kings. There were good ones and bad ones, but mostly all bad. In the end, they lost their land. They lost everything they ever had. Exile. First and second Chronicles tells the story again about how many times they failed and how many times God rescued them. Reconciled. God's love is so reckless. Even in the land of the lost, he pursues us. He was with Daniel in the pit, keeping him from being a chew toy. He was even spotted in a fire with three Hebrew boys. Ezra, Nehemiah, the temple's rebuilt. God's word is heard. They repent with tears. Don't call it a comeback. It's taken 70 years. 
So God spoke through the prophets, the priests, and the king, and he said, there will be one who will come after who will be all of these things. In Deuteronomy, he's the prophet that Moses said would come. In Isaiah, he's the priest that went into the holy place and it was done. Zechariah says, behold, your king is coming mounted on a donkey. He will speak peace to the nations, his dominion from sea to sea. Zechariah made that rhyme, not me. See, through, through all season one, he sends prophets to speak, to tell of the events of this Passion Week. Over and over again, it's been spoken. The Savior will come and be broken. Good Friday. He'll take the fall. He'll cover it all. He was despised and rejected by men. As one from whom men hide their faces. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, trading spaces. He was oppressed and afflicted like a lamb led to slaughter. And he did it to make every one of us a son and a daughter. God so loved that he gave three days in the grave. Death couldn't hold him. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is risen. Amen. 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 Woo! Let's give God glory. See, at the resurrection, we celebrate. We celebrate the New Testament promise of the Old Testament prophecy fulfilled. The last piece that I read in, the, in that, in that um, it came from the prophet, prophet Isaiah. And what I'd like to do, if you would allow me to, not that you have a choice, but um, I'd like to read Isaiah to you. Not the whole book, but a chapter. There's something that we, that we saw as we go through the Old Testament that when the people of God gathered and the word was read, there was, there was change. There was, there was, things happened. There was a move of God. There was, the, the, the word got in people and, and, and people were, were, were touched by it and changed and convicted. And so if, you, if you'd allow me to, I'd like to read Isaiah 53. We're going to put it up on the screen for you so you can follow along. If you have ADD like me and you need like three things to do at the same time. I'm going to ask you to stand for a moment as we read this word, just in reverence. Isaiah 53, starting in verse 1. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. And no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and rejected, yet we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we're healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. 
We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yes, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days, and the will of the Lord shall prosper in the land, in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The message, the message version ends it this way. It says, he took on his shoulders the sin of the many. He took up the cause of all the black sheep you've ever felt like a black sheep <laughs> see when you read this passage in Isaiah it describes the person and the event so vividly it's as, it's as if the person had seen it all already right they, there's no doubt who we're talking about. There's no question who's being described and what's, what, what, what it is that we're talking about and what was done for us. There's no question. Yet, do you know the astonishing thing is that that passage was written 500, 700 years before the birth of Christ. In the Hebrew Bible, the book of Isaiah. So centuries, listen to this, centuries, this got to blow your mind, centuries before his birth it was prophesied that he would suffer and die for the sins of the people. That he would be born in Bethlehem, that he would be Jewish, that he would come from the tribe of Judah, that he would be a descendant of King David, that his hands and his feet would be pierced, that he would die between criminals but buried in a rich man's tomb. 700 years before his birth. To get one or two of these things right would be amazing, but to nail it on every account is miraculous. And yet many of the Jewish people are still waiting for the Messiah. Many are still searching for the signs. They're still doubting. Maybe even some of you here today, the only reason you're here and you don't come here on the regular is because you're still doubting. You're still, maybe even some of you here are waiting for that encounter, waiting for that some moment when, when all God is looking for, listen to me, is the small steps. I'd like to deal with something that might seem out of place today, the most attended day in church history. Can we talk about doubt for a minute? 
I know it's not for you, it's for the other guy next to you. Listen, the resurrection is powerless in those that don't walk in its power. The resurrection is powerless in those that are about the bunny ears and the chocolate, the Easter eggs and the peeps. Every Old Testament prophecy was literally fulfilled in Jesus of Nazareth. God made it so that we can intellectually know the Bible is his word. He made it so that we can intellectually know that Jesus is the savior of the world, the one who can forgive your sins and reconcile you to God. Jesus performed incredible miracles like opening blind eyes, making the crippled walk, bringing the dead back to life. He forgave sins, which only God can do. His teachings were unlike any other before or since. His his coming was so colossal and so impactful that it split how we look at time. Our calendars were changed when he came. But intellectually knowing is not enough. There's, there's so much more evidence available today, but it's, but it's like the people in the Old Testament that we've been studying, all of the Israelites that Moses led out of slavery, they got to witness things in a scale that we probably have nothing to compare it to. I mean, can you imagine walking with Moses and having the ocean split? Can you imagine being in a a hard place? Your enemy is coming after you to kill you. All you have is chancletas and, and, and kids and goats. You're with grandma, great grandma, great, great, great grandma. And the enemy's coming at you in chariots. Whoosh. Right, coming at you with swords, and you got you're stuck between you have no place to go, and all of a sudden, um, the man of God hits the, the water, the water opens up, and there's an aquarium on each side of you, and you're walking through seeing all the pretty fish. And then that same that same beautiful scene gets brought back down and destroys all your enemies. Can you, can you imagine the, 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 the scene of, of, of one kid with a McDonald's Happy Meal and 5,000 people are fed? Can you imagine when you, when you have a, the lame guy that you pass, you know the, the guy that you pass on the way to work every day and you know he's there, you know he's going to be there, you know he's going to tell you, hey, just some, some food, bro. Can you, you know that guy, right, that you pass him every But imagine in that time, this is the lame guy. His legs are like this. He's got, he never got up. He's never walked. And you imagine one day they come and they say, stand up and walk. And the guy stands up. Whew. It's like, man, it's been a long time. And, he's tra- and you're watching him walk. Can you imagine just being in that kind of atmosphere, that miracles? Can you imagine seeing the lepers, the most outcast people of that time, because of their, their sickness? Leprosy is something that rots you. It rots part of your skin. There's rotting flesh. You can smell a leper if you entered the building. Can you imagine that Jesus would go to them and do what was prohibited? He touched them. And they would be made whole. 
If you could witness all for yourself and, and if they could witness all of this for themselves and still not follow him and still not turn, turn away from him and still follow some other statue of a God who has the head of a bull and the body of a fish or some woman who has eight or nine arms who's no God at all, then it's not about proof, is it? It's not about doubt because there can be none. It's not about evidence because they have it. It's about faith. Listen to me. It's about belief. It's about taking small steps in the right direction. Every time Jesus rebuked his followers, it was usually about their lack of faith. And you know why he can rebuke them about, well, about not having faith? It's because God gave them the faith that they need. The word said it was appointed to each and every one a measure of faith. So God is asking for something he already gave you. It's like I told you, if you wanted to be my friend, I need $3,000 from you. I have a very close-knit friend. I don't have a lot of time. I can't just add. You can't all be my friends. I need $3,000 from you if you want to be my friend. And then you get a text message that I just quick paid you $3,000. I've given you what I required from you. God isn't asking us for something he hasn't already provided. There's this story in the end of the book of Luke. Um, this is what I'll end with, I promise. You know, when pastor says that, he got about an hour left. In Luke 24, let me just set the stage. Luke 24, it's actually um, part of the resurrection story. Luke 23, just before, it speaks of the two criminals that Jesus was was uh, crucified in between, right? And, and even there, we have an example of two men. One who wants God to prove himself. One is asking God for proof. He said, you're Jesus, right? You're the king of the Jews, right? You're the king of kings. You're, then, then save yourself. Take us down from here. You save us. Get us out of here. And then the other criminal says, are you, are you crazy? Don't you even have any fear of God? Listen, we're here because we deserve it. We've done wrong. This man has done nothing wrong. He acknowledges who God is, and then he, he says, we're here because we deserve it. Jesus did nothing to be here, and then he takes a small step. He says, remember me, Jesus, when you enter your kingdom. To the one that didn't ask for proof, but took a small step of faith towards Jesus, he says, today you will be with me in paradise. So... So, so that one was just a bonus. That wasn't the story. So, so, Jesus, so Jesus breathed his last breath. He was, he was taken down. He was put in a tomb. And, and then the women came and, and, and they followed him. And they went to the tomb and they saw where he was laid. And then they returned home to go prepare spices and perfumes. And the next day was the Sabbath. So they had to rest as was the law. And then ch- uh, chapter 24 verse 1 it says, And on, on the first day they came back to bring what they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away and the tomb was empty. Shout amen. Amen. Okay, but it wasn't amen for them at the moment. And the angels appeared to them and the angels said, he is risen just as he said he would. And so the ladies ran back and they told everyone, but look at verse 11. It says, but these words appeared to them as nonsense and they would not believe. Who did she go tell? The church that showed up on Easter? No. The church that's here on the, on the off day. 
He, he, she went to the followers of Christ. She went to the disciples. She went to those that had walked with him. And they said, we saw an angel. The tomb is empty. There's no body. I don't mean there's no body, but there's no body. And it says they didn't believe her. So many of us are like that sometimes. We ask God to do something, and when he does it, we don't believe he did it. Some started going their own ways. Verse 13. It says, two disciples left Jerusalem, heading to a town named Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. Just so you know, that's not where they were supposed to be headed. That's not what Jesus told them to do once he died. So they were heading on, on a, a long walk. How many of you know seven miles in the dirt road with Jesus' sandals is a long walk? And so as they, as they were walking, the word says Jesus himself approached them and walked alongside them. Hey, what's up? But it says that he kept them from recognizing him. And so he says, what are you guys talking about? What up, dogs? He fist pumped them. He said, what are you guys talking about? Why are you so sad? And the guy stopped. It says that they stopped talking. They stopped walking because they looked at him like you got three heads. Like, where you been, bro? Under a rock? Are you the only one in Jerusalem that doesn't know what's happened? And he said, what? what? T- you know, tell me, what, what has happened? And, and, and they're, they're shocked. They're saying, the Jesus, man, this Jesus of Nazareth, man. Jesus came and, and he's doing these miracles, man. And people are lame or walking their eyes out. And, and he says, man, follow me and I'm going to make you fish. And, and all this stuff happened. And then, and then and he was this mighty prophet, man. And, and then there was, there was the, 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 our, our chief priests and rulers. They delivered him to, and they put him in jail. And then it was like, Barabbas, Jesus, give us Barabbas. And they were like, crucify him, crucify him. And then, bro, they killed him, man. He's dead. He's dead. And verse 21 says this, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. We had hoped that he was the one. And and then it says, and now besides all this, it's the third day. What does that tell you? They knew what he said. He said, they're going to kill me. I'm going to be crucified. But in three days, I'm going to rise up. In three days, I'm coming back. They knew. They knew. He said, but now it's the third day. We had hoped. And then he had, they had this. And then and he says, and then, and then the women, man, they went to the tomb and they said there was no body. Like the stone rolled away. That's a big stone, bro. The stone rolled away and there was no body in there. And, and then they said some angels talked to them. And so we ran down there, man, but there was no angels. We didn't see anything. There was no body. Maybe somebody took it, but we don't know. And at this point, Jesus says to them, you foolish men. <laughs> I mean, how I many you know he had to hold back for a long time? We thought he was the one. We hoped that he would. We... <laughs> he says, you foolish men. Why are you so slow at heart to believe what the prophets have spoken? 
And then it says in verse 27, beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them all the things concerning him in the scriptures. He gave them my spoken word. He, he, he went from the beginning and he explained all things that happened. to. So Jesus gives them a Bible study. Can you imagine the word teaching you the word? Yo, that dude was boring. What? He is the living word. He's the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and God was the word. And the word became flesh. He gives them a Bible study, God's season one. We don't know what he told them, but he probably went through every prophecy because seven miles in Chancletas is a long walk. And, and so he must have quoted Micah who prophesied John the Baptist would come before him to prepare the way. And now that happened. And that he would come from Bethlehem and how that happened. And he must have quoted Zechariah who said he would enter Jerusalem riding on a donkey and people shot Hosanna and later shall crucify him and how that happened. He must have quoted Zechariah who said he would... I, I said that already. He, he must have quoted the Psalms and about his pierced hands and his pierced feet and how that happened. He probably quoted the passage that we just read in Isaiah and how all of that just happened. And it says he went through the scriptures from here to there like we've been doing it. And it says in verse 28, and as they approached the village where they were going, he acted as though he was going further. Watch this. Why did Jesus act? He's been walking with them for seven miles, apparently going the same way, apparently going to the same place. Why would Jesus um, act like he was going to keep going? And, and truly, I believe that Jesus would probably have kept going. I believe this is a picture and a message, and, and the message is there for us today. Let me close with this. Jesus had done everything he came to do. At this point, he's already gone to the cross. He's already paid the price. He's already carried the penalty for our sins. He's already taken Barabbas' place. He's already taken my place and, and your place. And they're still doubting. They're still wavering in their faith. I think Jesus acted as if he was going to go further to provide the two men an opportunity to respond. The same opportunity I'm going to give some of you in a moment. He presented the word to them and he gives them all of the proof that they could have. He's proven that he wins. He's proven that he reigns. He's proven that he has risen, that he has overcome death. He's made all the connections for them as I've hopefully made for you today. And I believe what he's waiting for is for them to take small steps. Small steps of faith to invite him to come in. <laughs> to invite him to be with them. To stay with them. Those that are helping me close today, we have a little special for you. I want them to come right now. The story ends like this. And he acted as though he was going farther. But they urged him saying, stay with us. Stay with us for it's getting toward evening and the day is now nearly over. And so he goes in to stay with them. And when they reclined at the table together, look, it says that he took the bread and he blessed it. And he broke it and he began to give it to them. And when he did it, their eyes were opened and they saw that it was Jesus. 
and he vanished from their sight. Strange story. You have to understand the culture to understand what's going on. Only the head of the house would do that in this culture. Only the head, only the master of the house would take the head of the table, take the bread, break it, and pass it out. Only the host, only the head of the house. So when Jesus was allowed to be the head of the house, they were able to recognize who he was. It took the small step of inviting him in. Luke 24 is often seen as a model of the journey that Jesus makes with many of us today. As he opens our eyes and points us to the word and reveals himself along life's walk as the resurrected Savior. When you allow Jesus to take the lead in your life instead of you, then you might recognize that he's been walking with you this whole time. He's been walking with you this whole time. Maybe he's the one you've been complaining to and complaining about. Maybe he's the one you've been um, just dumping everything on. Maybe he's the one who's been carrying, who's just been listening. Maybe he's the one who's been opening doors before you got there and you didn't even know he did it. Maybe he's the one who's been closing those doors before you got there and you didn't even know and you, and you got mad at him for closing the doors that he closed to protect you because you didn't even know he was there. I want to challenge you today. If you weren't here Good Friday or you just started coming, you might not know this is Pastor Alice. This is Melissa, the, the worship pastor at our Spanish church, TSF Español. They meet, they meet every Sunday following our service at 2 o'clock. So if you have people that, that say, well, I don't understand a word that crazy Cuban says. I, you know, I only speak Spanish. Fine. Come at 2. There's more crazy people to share the word. <laughs> totally confirmed. Amen. As they lead us in closing, though, as they give us this special, I'm, I'm going to invite you, if you haven't already done this, to take some small steps today. A.W. Tozer once said, every man is as close to God as he desires to be. I want to invite you today to come closer. The criminal at the cross, he did nothing religious. He didn't join the church. He wasn't baptized. He didn't repeat after Jesus in some prayer. He didn't put on Pentecostal outfits. He simply acknowledged that Jesus was Lord and that he was guilty. And he asked Jesus to be mindful of him. I invite you to take those small steps today as they minister to us. Amen.
batallas Aunque no crea Él no me falla Él sanará y aumentará la fe en mi alma singing the song that God always reigns he will never fail us in our battles he will be the victor is there anyone here on this morning service that wants to know this Jesus personally that wants to know this Jesus that will stand by you in the good in the bad wants to know this Jesus who resurrected that gives us the victory over the power of sin If you want to know this Jesus this evening, I want you to stand up and we're going to pray for you. If you want to say, I want this Savior in my life. I want to know this Redeemer. I want to know this man that will help me conquer. I want to get to know this man that will give me victory over my sin. That will give me power over sickness. We thank you, Jesus, for your resurrection power. We thank you for that blood that was shed for us on Calvary. Blood that gives us power, blood that saves us. And I thank you, Lord, for every single person that has made this profession of faith to say, I need this Jesus in my life. And I ask that you start to transform the hearts. You start to change the way they're thinking. You start to change the pattern that they're so used to walking. I pray, dear Lord, that you alter the plans that they had and they grasp onto your plan. That they might start walking a new walk, living a new life, speaking a new language, professing a new faith, proclaiming a new God, shouting out to victory to the one who has saved them. And I thank you because as these people profess their faith, there's a party going on in heaven with all your angels rejoicing in this. And we rejoice along with them, Father. We rejoice along with every single one of you that has decided to accept him as your personal Lord and Savior. And I welcome you into our family. I welcome you into the family of Jesus Christ. Where it doesn't matter where you come from. It only matters where we're going. Hallelujah. We thank you. We thank you for joining us. It is our pleasure to have you here with us. It is our pleasure that you've decided to take a part of your day and be with us this morning. And as we dismiss this morning, or actually afternoon, you got here in the morning, it's afternoon now. I pray that the blessing of Jesus be with you. And as you walk out that door, you'll be a testimony of who Jesus is to every single person you meet. And that when you go to work on Monday and people see you, that they can say, yo, there's something different about you. And you can say, yeah, because I met a man named Jesus. And he saved me. And that's the difference you see. It's nothing that I did. It's everything that he did. And we worship you. And I thank you for coming. 
And as sweet as sweet, I'm going to ask you one small favor. We have another service at 2 o'clock, like Pastor George says. I'm the pastor of the Spanish congregation, and so is my husband, Bert. We have a service at 2. I know some of you bought like McDonald's and bagels and green cheese and coffee and juice and water and all that stuff, all those bags. I see cups all over the place. It would be such a blessing if you took your bag, you took your cup, and you dumped it in the garbage on the way out. Can you guys do that for me? Thank you so much. God bless you. Have a blessed Easter and enjoy the rest of your week.